So in the first part of Surah Al-Fajr, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by multiple things. Amongst them, the time of Fajr. And then the ten nights, then the odd, the even, and then the night when it departs. And remember that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by something, it is for multiple reasons. One is to draw our attention towards that object, towards that thing by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath, to show us its importance. And here we see the importance of these times, the importance of life. And then another reason is that the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by, they are presented as a proof for what is to be mentioned later. They are presented as an evidence for what is being established in the conclusion of the oath. So over here we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of the importance of time, the importance of the blessings that He has given us. Especially the words, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرِ The night as it departs. The last night of the month. The last night of the year. The date changes. The year changes. And then we see the example of the people of the past is given. That how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with so many things. Time, life, strength, physical might, money. But what did these people do? Did they use them in the right way? No. They increased in fasad. They taghaw fil bilad. They exceeded the bounds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had set. They committed so much oppression. But what happened at the end? فَصَبَّ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّكَ سَوْطَ عَذَابٍ The punishment of your Lord came upon them with full force. Because remember the word sabba is to pour water. You see, one is that you're pouring very gently, right? From a pitcher into a cup, very gently. But the other is that you just take a bucketful and you turn it over. Is there a difference? If you turn it over, what's going to happen? The water is not just going to fall. It's going to fall with full force. Full force. And then we see sometimes water as it's falling down with pressure, it even hurts. Doesn't it? So, فَصَبَّ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّكَ سَوْطَ عَذَابٍ And the word sawd, I mentioned to you earlier, that this is used for a whip or a flog with multiple knots in it. And then from this, the word sawd is also used for something which is a mixture, a blend of many things. So sawd adab, meaning not just one punishment befell these people, but multiple punishments, scourge of punishment, horrible punishment, one after the other. Why? إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ Because you see, what happens is that when you see evil in the world, you wonder what's going on. How come people who are doing wrong, you know, they have their freedom? What's going on? Is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ignoring their wrongdoing? No, He's giving them time. And there is a limit for everything. Like in hadith, we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives time to the wrongdoer. Until when He seizes him finally, then He doesn't let go of him. So what happened with Fir'aun? Up to a certain limit? Yes, Fir'aun committed a lot of fasad. Ad Samud, but then what happened? Time over. And in this is a reminder for all of us. Every single one of us has a limited amount of time in this world. Every night comes, it departs. Our life began and it's going to be over. What is being examined is what we do in this life. 
فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ But what is the nature of man in general? That فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ Then as for the human being, إِذَا مَا وَنَفَرْ مَا وَنْ إِبْتَلَاهُ He tests him. Who tests him? رَبُّهُ His Lord. Meaning whenever his Lord tests him. Whenever Allah tests man. فَأَكْرَمَهُ And then in that test, in that trial, أَكْرَمَهُ He honors him. How is man honored? What is it that brings honor to man? In general, typically, honor is associated with what? Health, strength, wealth, honor, status. Isn't it? So, فَأَكْرَمَهُ And if you think about it, the fact that we have been created as a human being, isn't that in itself an honor? The fact that we have been created with sound bodies, and even if there is some kind of deficiency somewhere, still we are able to function, we are able to walk, we are able to talk, we are able to do so many things. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed us with intellect, with the ability to speak, with the ability to express, to learn, to grow, isn't that honor in itself? So فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَمَهُ And then Allah also نَعَمَهُ What does na'ama mean? To give ni'mah. He gives him blessings. So what is the response of this person? Typically, what is the response of people when they get the blessings of this world? فَيَقُولُ So he says, Rabbi, my Lord, akramani. He has honored me. Meaning then, man is very happy. He says, my Lord has honored me. He gave me wealth, He gave me power, He gave me this, He gave me that. He's very happy. But notice over here, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ That wealth, blessings of this life, what are they? What are they? They are a test. Allah tests man, and in that test, He gives him wealth and honor. So man's response is, My Lord has honored me. Meaning he does not think of blessings as a test. This is man's fault. That when he is bestowed with blessings, he does not consider them a test. Sulaiman alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him amazing, unique blessings. Of them was that he had control over the jinn even. And at one point when he wanted the throne of the queen to be brought, the ifrit of the jinn, he said, I will bring it in such and such time. Isn't it? But then what happened? The one who had knowledge, and it is said that it was Jibreel, or it was Sulaiman alayhi salam, Allahu alam, some say that it was Jibreel, and there's other opinions also, that he said, I will bring it even faster than that. So Sulaiman alayhi salam's response at that time was what? هَذَا مِنْ فَضْلِ Surah Al-Naml, Ayah 40. Even when the ants were there and he heard them, so many times when, when he saw Allah's favor on him, what was the response of Sulaiman salam? This is Allah's blessing on me. He is testing me. Whether I am grateful or I am ungrateful. Generally, we view difficulties as a test. We don't view blessings as a test. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that He tests us with good and with difficulty. وَنَبْلُوكُمْ With two things. 
شر and خير evil and with good isn't it وبلوناهم بالحسنات والسيئات what happened with the jinn in surah al-jinn at the end of the surah what did we learn that وَأَلَّوْا اسْتَقَامُوا لَأَسْقِيْنَاهُمْ مَا أَنْغَدَقَا لِنَفْتِنَهُمْ فِيهِ One of the meanings is that if the people remained steadfast, then what would happen? We would send down on them ma'an ghadaqa, abundant water. And water symbolizes blessings. But then those blessings would be what? لِنَفْتِنَهُمْ فِيهِ In order that we may test them. Blessings are a test. But what is mentioned over here? That typically man does not see blessings as a test. He forgets to be grateful. He forgets to be cautious. He takes it easy. He relaxes over there. He thinks, oh Allah is very happy with me. So it's okay if I don't pray my sunnah. It's okay if I delay my salah. Everything's good. It's okay if I yell at this person and that person once or twice here and there. No big deal. Because Allah must be very happy with me. I have everything I need. وَأَمَّا And as for إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ When his Lord tests him with a different kind of test. Same. It's still a test. But its nature is different. How is it different? That فَقَدَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ He limits on him his provision. Constricts the provision for him. Gives it to him in a limited quantity. Meaning that he tests him with poverty. فَيَقُولُ So man says, رَبِّي أَهَانًا He says, my Lord has humiliated me. Allahu Akbar. If you think about it, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave something, or He took it away. In both cases, who does everything belong to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't it? So if He took it away, it belongs to Him. He has the right to take it back. If He gives it, it still belongs to Him. So we think that blessings are associated with what? Honor and humiliation. If a person has been given blessings, he has been honored. And if he has been deprived of certain blessings, worldly blessings, he has been humiliated. Whereas worldly blessings have nothing to do with izzah and dhillah. They have nothing to do with honor and humiliation. We think that what we have been given is our right. We deserve it. We should have it. And so if it is taken away from us, we feel we have been humiliated. When do you feel humiliated? When? When you feel that what you deserve has not been given to you. Isn't it? For example, if you're outside somewhere, you see a random person go by. They look at you and they go away. Do you get offended over there? Oh, this person didn't greet me. Do you get offended? No. Because you don't expect that person to greet you because they don't know you. They're a total stranger. Right? You're not expecting them to treat you in a special way because they don't know you. However, if you go to your friend's house, right, and there you meet certain other friends and they don't greet you over there, they don't talk to you, do you say over there, this person didn't treat me well? Do you get offended over there? Yes, you do. Why? Because you were expecting good treatment over there. So we feel humiliated 
when we feel that we have not been given what we deserve. Correct? But what we learn from this ayah is that we don't deserve worldly blessings in the first place. Because they belong to who? Who do they belong to? Allah. It's up to Him. He can give it, He can take it away. He can deprive a person. This has nothing to do with honor and disgrace because we cannot say, I deserve this. I deserve this money. I deserve good health. I deserve this kind of power. No. Who said that we deserve it? Were we born with these rights? No. وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ فَقَدَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَهَانًا Remember, it is our response in these situations that is being examined. فَيَقُولُ فَيَقُولُ It's what man says that's mentioned over here. So we have to watch what we say. We have to be careful about what we say in times of ease and in times of difficulty. In Surah Az-Zumar, Ayah 49, it is mentioned, فَإِذَا مَسَّ الْإِنسَانَ الضُّرٌ دَعَانَا ثُمَّ إِذَا خَوَّلْنَاهُ نِعْمَةً مِنَّا قَالَ إِنَّمَا أُوْتِيتُهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ He shows off over there. He does not acknowledge Allah's favor. This is man's fault. Real honor, real honor is with what? Is it with money? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in the Qur'an? Think of an ayah that tells us who is truly honorable. Yes? Okay, so what's the ayah? إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ The most honorable of you near Allah is the one who fears Allah the most. Honor for the human being is with what? With taqwa. It is not with worldly things. Because worldly things, no matter how much a person accumulates, they're gonna finish. Isn't it? They're gonna finish. In Surah Al-Taghabun, Ayah 15, Allah says, إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ Your wealth and children are a trial. وَاللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ And the reward that Allah has in the hereafter, reserved for His truly honorable servants, that is great. كَلَّا بَلْ لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمُ كَلَّا No. Negation is being done. Of what? Of people's misconceptions. That you think honor is with wealth. No, it is not by wealth. It is by your actions. So take a look at your actions. Are you really doing honorable things? بَلْ لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمُ You do not even honor the orphan. When you get money, when you get worldly blessings, you go so low. You think you have become honorable, but in reality you go so low. How? That look at your actions. You don't even honor the orphan. Again, link it back with the previous verses. You think honor is with? Ni'mah. What do we learn in the Qur'an? Honor is not with worldly blessings, it is with taqwa, with righteous actions. So here, بَلْ لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمِ Meaning when you have money, you don't even honor the orphan. Look at your actions. What kind of actions are you doing? And this is a crime, to not honor the one who is weak. Because the orphan, what does he symbolize? 
What does he symbolize? The weak, the lonely, the friendless, those who do not have any support, the needy. Generally what happens? We respect people who have money. We respect people who are from a good family. Here, Allah says, لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمِ Yatim is someone who may not have any money and who may not have a family. Because yatim basically is who? Someone whose father has died. Right? A child whose father has died. So, لَا تُكْرِمُونَ الْيَتِيمِ You want to be treated with respect, yet you do not have respect for others. What does it mean by not honoring the orphan? How do you honor an orphan? How? By giving them your old clothes? By giving them a dollar a day and feeling like you're doing them such a huge favor? How is it that you respect an orphan? Because this is being criticized. You don't respect an orphan. How do you respect someone? Yes. Yes, you treat them the way you want to be treated. Yes? You treat them with respect and dignity. What does that mean? Yeah. That like for them what you like for yourself. Advocate for them as you would advocate for yourself. Defend them as you would defend yourself. Spend on them and worry about their rights as you would spend on yourself and worry about your rights. لا تكرمون اليتيم Basically, not honoring the orphan means that you just leave him in his state. That you don't care about him. You don't support him. You don't defend him. You don't sympathize with him. لا تكرمون اليتيم ولا تحاضون And you do not encourage على طعام المسكين You do not encourage one another to feed the poor تحاضون from حاضاد حضة حضة is to exhort, to encourage someone, motivate them to do something تحضيد is to ask with urgency To ask with how? Urgency, that you're not just encouraging them to do something, but you're also showing that it's urgently required. It must be done right away. It cannot be ignored. So, لا تحاضون على طعام المسكين You don't encourage one another to feed the poor. This is another crime. That you do not advocate for the needy. Why would a person not advocate for the needy? Because then he is afraid. That... If I am telling others to give, then I have to give also. Or if I am telling people to give, then what will they give me? You understand? That if, for example, you see that your mom has like, you know, she has like three new bags, for example. She bought one, her sister gave her one, and her friend gave her one. Right? And she's thinking, maybe I should give one of them away. So there... You can either encourage her to give it to someone in need, or you can just remain silent over there and not encourage her, so that maybe she will give it to you. You understand? لا تحاضون على طعام المسكين Why would a person not advocate for the needy? Especially feeding the needy. Because then he is afraid that he will be deprived. He will not get it. Or that he will have to give from his own wealth also. Extreme selfishness. Extreme selfishness. You see, 
in these verses what do we learn the importance of not just caring about the needy but also advocating for the needy for those in need that you don't just go and help someone in need but you create awareness in your social circles about those who are in need because you as an individual yes you can contribute you can create some change but when you will encourage others also make them aware then the result will be much greater isn't it now in these makki surahs you see in the 30 ages we have these makki surahs and these surahs were revealed early during the time when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was receiving revelation so these are the earliest teachings earliest teachings we think our deen is only about rituals yes rituals are a major part of our deen but social justice is also a major part advocating for the needy whoever those needy may be the hungry the orphans any people who are deprived in the society advocating for them also civil rights this is also an important part of our deen because if allah has given us to eat we should think about feeding others also if he has given us peace and security we should be concerned about peace and security for others also you understand when any group of people is oppressed and you ignore that oppression remember sooner or later it's going to affect you also so when you defend the needy the orphans the poor you are helping who not just them but also yourself because today if you're allowing oppression to take place in front of you and you don't do anything about it tomorrow the same thing could be done to you and isn't that what happens i mean if you look at history the most terrible things that have happened in human history just reflect on them how did they start how was it that entire nations were persecuted people were killed tortured abused in so many different ways how was that made okay how why because people did not feel the pinch inside they did not care about one needy person another needy person so much so that hundreds were in need and nobody cared about them and very soon even they were affected by that oppression assalam alaikum it was said uh, they said if your kids is not eating properly or you're not uh, having appetite they said feed the kids of others allah will feed you so whatever you're doing for your other so that's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will point you someone else to help you or take care of you because whatever you do for other it's not you doing that because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the person who make dua for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sign you as a mean to help the other person so you have to be grateful allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you this opportunity to helping someone because this opportunity to helping someone it's not anyone can do it sometimes you might be say oh i pay charity money i'll give it to someone but this tawfiq which is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable to give charity or helping someone it's just but tawfiq of allah it's happening exactly. so yes now remember the context of the surah makki surah la tahaduna the address is primarily to who mushrikeen right mushrikeen so if the muslims even were to encourage one another their people amongst them were who muslims and non muslims 
Because sometimes what happens is at our workplace or at school, there's some organization that's coming together, you know, holding a certain event for you know, public awareness regarding a certain type of oppression, whether it is oppression against women or oppression against a certain group of people, there we say, oh, but I can't do anything here because they're non-Muslim. If there is a workshop on salah, I will be there. But if there is an event related to, for example, abuse against women, then I'm not going to participate over there. No, we have to. We have to. وَلَا تَحَاضُّونَ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ This is a crime that someone is being oppressed. Someone is being deprived of basic human rights and you're not encouraging others to support them. وَتَأْكُلُونَ التُّرَاثَ أَكْلَ الْلَمَّا وَتَأْكُلُونَ And you eat. التُّرَاثَ The inheritance. Meaning you consume inheritance. Whose inheritance? Your share? No. The share of others. How do you eat it? Aklan, eating it, lamma, all together. Lamma, lamman, this is a noun. Don't confuse this with the word lamma, when. Okay? This is lamman, from the root letters lam, mim, mim. Lam is to gather and assemble something. Right? Basically it means jammer. So, all of it, in its entirety. وَتَأْكُلُونَ التُّرَاثَ أَكْلَ الْلَمَّ You consume inheritance, devouring it all together. Meaning when someone dies, leaving behind their property, you want all of it. You don't want your one-third share or one-eighth share. You want all of it. So you will deprive the other heirs. And if you think about it, I mean, yes, this is something very common something that was very common amongst the Arabs at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They would take the inheritance shares of orphan children, women, the weak, the oppressed. But if you think about it, in general, people are very greedy for taking their share of inheritance and also the shares of others. Brothers will deprive sisters, isn't it? I mean, you'd think that maybe this used to happen hundred years ago. This happens today in the 21st century. Today. In Western countries also. This is not something that only happens in Eastern countries. It happens here also. You see, a very selfish attitude is described over here. Very selfish. That... You don't honor the orphan. You want to be honored. You don't worry about feeding the needy, the hungry. You're only concerned about yourself. And then you take all inheritance. You deprive others. وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمَّا And you love wealth. How much? حُبًّا With a love that is jamma, Immense. Jim, Mim, Mim. All absorbing. Basically, Jam is kathir amount of something. When a great amount of something is gathered in one place. So for example, it is a Jammal Bi'r. Bi'r is well. So Jamma meaning it's filled with water. Filled. So, وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا jamma. This is the problem. This is the reason why you are happy when you have money and you are unhappy when you don't have it. 
this is the reason why you are stingy when you have a little bit of it. And you become so greedy that you want to take what belongs to others also. وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمَّا In Surah Adiyat, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ And you see حُبًّا جَمَّا What does it signify? That no matter how much money you have, you're not satisfied with it. You just want more and more. So you're always concerned about increasing it, growing it, thinking, where can I get more from? وَتُحِبُّونَ الْمَالَ حُبًّا جَمَّا You are terribly in love with wealth, with money. And if you think about it, love of money is a big trial. It's a source of destruction also. كَلَّا إِذَا دُكَّتِ الْأَرْضُ دَكًّا دَكًّا All of these things that you love and you fight over, you get so selfish about, you deprive others. How long will you enjoy them for? إِذَا دُكَّتِ الْأَرْضُ كَلَّا These things won't benefit you. Because إِذَا When دُكَّتِ الْأَرْضُ The earth has been leveled. How? دَكَّن دَكَّا Pounded and crushed completely. Turned into sand. دَك دَك You see دَال كَاف كَاف دَك is to crush something. Beat it, beat it, crush it. Pound it, pound it. Repeatedly until it is Crushed to sand. When something is broken and pressed down, flattened. Dakkan dakka, not a building, nothing, not a mountain will remain on this earth. Ida dukkatil ardu dakkan dakka. And then man will wonder, this is the wealth that I ran after? This is the wealth because of which I oppressed others? This is the wealth because of which I became unhappy with Allah? This is the money because of which I broke the law, I took haram, I broke my friendships, I broke my relationships. This money, what is its worth on the day of judgment? Nothing. In Surah Haqqa, Ayah 14, وَحُمِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ وَالْجِبَالُ فَدُكَّتَ دَكَّةً وَاحِدًا In one dak, what will happen? The earth, the mountains, everything flattened, crushed. Where is that wealth going to go? You know, anytime you're tempted to keep something, you have an opportunity to spend on somebody. But there, your hirs, your natural greed, it wakes up and it tells you, oh, don't give, just enjoy. It's okay, it's not zakat, right? You gave zakat. Remind yourself, this is going to finish. It's going to finish. It's not worth it that I should deprive the needy just so that I can enjoy it. It's not worth it that I should break the law, take haram, disobey Allah just to obtain this money. You know, in the news, I'm sure you also came across it. In Canada, near Calgary, a man built a house himself. Alright? And he basically broke the law and he was given a notice many times to not construct it the way he was constructing it. He didn't have the permit and he was given a warning many times. But he did not comply. So you know what happened? They broke down his house. Broke it down completely. Because he had built it. Yes, he built it himself. Every part of that house he had built it himself. But without any permits. Illegally he had built it. It was broken down. 
And yes, it's a tragedy, but think about it. No matter what we have in this world, eventually it's going to be broken down. So is it these things that matter or our actions that matter? What is it that matters? It's our actions. It's what we say. It's the choices that we make. It's the things that we do. 